Contestant club, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast Uncut. It's season three, episode five. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, aka DJ Juan Dollars, like I won some money. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have two incredibly dope special guests. These brothers are real community warriors and difference makers for social justice. They are co-founders of Until Freedom, until Freedom is a conglomerate of organizers, lawyers, artists, and survivors of injustice. Let me start off with the brother to the right of me. That's the general. He's from the Bronx, New York. He's a legendary rapper, author, and criminal justice reform activist. Next to the general to the left, we have another brother from New York. He's a movement lawyer, senior strategist, and policy guru. They have done so much in our communities, and we will have all episodes of Chop It Up with my son, the General, and Angelo Pinto, the Squire. Everybody, how you doing? What's going on, well, bro? That was a good intro, man. You did good. You did this all right. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. When you got the presence of you brothers, you better have it right in there, son. Man, well, we appreciate that, brother. Man, so I got to make sure I tell you, brothers, time's the most finite thing we have on this earth. And I wanted to make sure from the beginning, I tell you brothers how much I appreciate you coming on the show and especially your time. Definitely, thank you, thank you. And bro, I can't spend a second longer without bringing up justice for Breonna Taylor. It's been 152 painstaking days. On March 13th, 2020 in Louisville, Kentucky, Breonna Taylor was murdered by three police officers during a no-knock search warrant, ambushing the house with firing 22 bullets eight of which struck this beautiful sleeping soul that was innocent and essential worker that we all know is Breonna Taylor. Here we are five months later, still pleading for justice for Breonna and what we can do to raise awareness on her case and the amount of people calling and writing letters to bring justice to the officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. And, you know, I want to just go ahead and hit this, you know, on the nail from the jump. You know, what can we do? What's some insight? Just, you know, pour the listeners what, what all of us can do to do a difference. Because you guys are definitely at the forefronts, but we all need to either join or push the forefronts further. Something to keep you guys uplifted and motivated because this has to be done. Well, I think I think for us, well, first of all, thank you for having us, man. We appreciate you for having us. Um, I think for us, you know, our motto is all you got is all we need. You know, so 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 whatever you can do, we ask that you do. You know, everybody is not gonna be able to be on the front lines with us. Everybody can't risk arrest. You know, people don't have the time to be out here in the movement and strategize and do things that are necessary. You don't write policy, you don't do these things. But maybe you have a computer where you can tweet something, maybe you have a following. Maybe you can, you know, maybe you do art. You know, maybe you have food that you can give to the movement. You know, we, we on Saturday, we'll be giving out produce to the community. Over a thousand people, we're gonna be giving out produce to the community, you know, so. You know, and, and what I say is, you know, we don't really like donations, but we, we love investments. 
you know, and, and until freedom, we I don't I don't want you to feel like you do giving charity. I want you to feel like you investing in your freedom. You know, the same way that we invest in our, our freedom, we're willing to put our, our bodies, our freedom, our lives, and you know, we sacrifice away from our families to do this work. So we want people who want to invest in their freedom the same way that we want to invest in their freedom. So there's so many different ways that you can get their entry points into this movement, into this organization, into this moment right now for Breonna Taylor, you know, and you just got to figure out what's the best way that you can serve and be efficient. Absolutely. Angelo, brother, you want to put in any statement onto there, brother? I mean, I think, you know, we all have something we could give. Um, and we have to figure out what that is, what that looks like, and what that is for us. For me, we give every day. This is what we do. This is our purpose. And we give financially, even sometimes when the money's not there to make sure the work happens, we give in our, of our time. Um, and we want folks to do the same. I think there's a great awakening happening around injustice, not only in America, but around the world. And it's a great opportunity for individuals to start to think, what does an investment in my freedom and justice for others look like? And what can I contribute on a weekly or a monthly basis, whether it's my time, whether it's financially, um, whether it's my social media platform, whether it's volunteering some hours with folks, what is it that I can contribute consistently to really transform the society we live in? It can't just be a one-time thing. Um, it can't just be a two-time thing. It has to be a true investment. So folks, I always say, decide what it is and where it is you can give and do it as consistently as possible. You know, it's amazing. The word investment is being used. And you know, honestly, it's blessing others so that you don't block your own blessings. And you know, so that we can continue to grow as one. Because you know, right now there's so much un injustice, there's so much that's not clear, there's so much that's not transparent. And I feel that everyone that is willing to utilize their voice and their gift and, and outspeak, I just have to give all my flowers and praise to you brothers because so many of them are scared. And you know, it's important that everyone understands that you do have a voice. And if you see something you recognize that's wrong, start to say something that people will gather, especially if you're in the right standing. That's right. Yeah, the world is changing. You know, they folks say if you build it, they will come. And I think in this moment, if you say it, folks show up. Um, and I think the more and more we speak about injustice, the more and more we stand for it, the more others will say, I could do the same. I have nothing to fear. I mean, when you look at the NBA and what they're doing, they're showing on a corporate level, there's nothing to be afraid of. And in fact, you'll probably get more buy-in from your viewership who says, listen, you're standing for the right thing, we'll stand with you. So it's a moment where for people to really step up and stand out. Absolutely. Now, I gotta ask both you brothers because it's one of my questions. Normally I gear this towards the entertainers, but it's so important that people like you brothers that, that are activists and organizers and making a difference as a community warrior. I asked, did the game choose you guys or did you choose the game? And I'm gonna switch that around because I wanna know what pretty much was the moment that you guys knew that this is what you're supposed to do with your life. That's a dope question. Um, I feel like the game chose me, man. Um, I think it was, I think as artists, you know, my, my mentor, Harry Belafonte said that artists are the gatekeepers of truth. And, and I think that's the natural evolution. If you see a lot of artists, the natural evolution, they become conscious and they start to do a lot more things for the community, especially when you're an artist, not just someone who does it for money. When you when you artistically inclined, it means that you you gather energy from the earth. 
you know, as an artist, I gather energy from the earth and that energy that I get from the earth compelled me to fight back. You know, I, when I get all that energy and I get these ideas and the ideas have been coming with so much heavy trauma, so much pain and all my music was so much pain that it, it, it pretty much guided me to to this movement, man. And I remember when I first, my entry point into this movement was Trayvon Martin. And I was doing, shooting for a film that I was, uh, um, independent film that I was doing in um, Florida during the time that they were reading the, the Zimmerman, you know, verdict. And I was in my hotel room, we were going to shoot a scene. And I just assumed that he would be found guilty. I was like, it's no, no humanly possible that they're gonna just say that this young boy, you know, he didn't kill this young boy. And and I remember when I first heard it, like I, I cried like I was five years old. You know, my heart was, my, I was just in so much turmoil and pain because my son was his age. You know, I had a son his exact age and I just, and, and I just reflected and said, what if that was my son? Like, what do I say to my son at this point? Like, how do I explain to him what America is saying that his life has no value, you know, and that, you know, that he died, but there's nobody going to be held accountable for it. You know, he was murdered. He was shot to death well, for just getting some Skittles and trying to go home. And the man stalked him and he wasn't accountable for killing him. You know, I didn't understand that. So I said, how do I say this to my son? I remember writing this piece that, you know, that reflected that. And, um, and from there, I met Tamika Mallory, who was one of the other co-founders of Until Freedom, along with Linda Sarsour. And she introduced me to Carmen Perez, who was, you know, the executive director of Harry Belafonte's organization, The Gathering for, Just for Justice. And, and that was my entry point into the movement. So I feel like it's just all these pieces just aligned to bring me to this moment. So yeah, the game definitely chose me. <laughs> I think I think the game chose me and then I chose the game. Mm. So, you know, I've always had people who around me who were either involved in doing this kind of work or were involved in community work and like spent time and invested in me, even in street families and gangs, like older guys who would look out for me. So I think I've always had that kind of influence around me. And then as I went to college and law school, even more folks who were like really invested or had histories and doing movement work. Um, and then also I started to learn about the ways in which my community and my family, who whether folks were incarcerated or prosecuted as adults when they were teenagers, I started to realize that the things that I was experiencing in my family were actually phenomenon that people write about and talk about. And, you know, there were systems of oppression that were functioning in my, in my life and in my family's life that I wasn't aware of that you know about, you feel, but you don't really have the sophistication to understand and realize it's systemic and it's not just you. So as I started to learn more and more about those things, I think for me, it just became a no brainer that this is exactly what I'm gonna do. Um, and it was a place and a space where I was passionate about it. Um, and I realized that it was just, it was my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and the only way to really honor my gift and my purpose was to do the work and, and pour my life into it. So the game definitely chose me, but then I chose it too. I was like, ah, we could do this. 
So I got to ask both of you brothers the same question about the confirmation, because a lot of the time we get these moments of this is what we feel like we're supposed to do. We start doing it and then we get the big confirmation that, no, this is the rest of the way I need to go. And so whoever wants to go first, because I deeply want to know. I think for me, the confirmation for me was, you know, I decided then, but I, my first protest was during the Eric Gardner case, you know, and I was working with Carmen and we were doing, we were doing work in detention centers and we were on, I was teaching a course on how to utilize hip hop as a, a source of anti-violence. And how do you, how to, you know, when you feel like you're angry, you put it into words and you say things about it. And, and I'm like, you know, and, and, cause that's what I used to do when I was angry, just to stop from lashing out, I would write music about it. And it was a way for me to vent. So I was doing a course on that. And I remember we was we had just finished doing our course, excuse me, and we walked outside and she was like, yo, they just killed this man. Regardless, did you see the video? We saw the video. And she's like, we gotta, we gotta hit the streets. And I had never been to a protest prior to that. I had never done anything. And I remember that day I was on, I think, 37th Street or 30-something Street with an entrance to Jersey. And and we sat down in the middle of the road. And it was thousands of people surrounding me. And I just felt like this is where I need to be at. Like I was surrounded by people who had the same intentions, who had the same warrior spirit, who was, who was fed up with the injustice in the system, who really wanted more. And I looked to the left and right of me and I seen people with that same energy and I never felt more comfortable at home anywhere. You know, and I said to myself, this is what I need to be doing with my life. Yeah. I think for me, the confirmations, they come over and over and over again. Like I, I was doing work on a campaign called Raise the Age in New York State where 16 and 17 year olds were automatically prosecuted as adults and housed in adult jails and prisons. So the Khalif Browder story, which some folks know about, and of course the now exonerated five were all teenagers who were prosecuted as adults in New York State. And I remember my first week being hired to run that statewide campaign. And as I was reading stories about teenagers across the country who were prosecuted as adults, I realized in that moment, I was like, oh, this happened to my brother. Right? And I realized, oh, when he was a teenager and he said he was arrested with, with the adults or the older dudes, I was like, oh, wow, this is what he was talking about. This law that prosecutes teenagers as adults. So for me, and then we ended up having the ability to end that practice in New York State. So now 16 and 17 year olds are no longer housed in adult jails and prisons, and they're no longer automatically prosecuted as adults. For me, it was a moment where I was like, wow, I was doing this work. I'm doing this work for a reason, but not only that, the experience had even more significance. And it made me even go back into the experience and go back to my brother about his experience. Um, but even more recently, those kinds of confirmations for me just always happen. More recently, when we were in Louisville, where we are now, like working on the Breonna Taylor case, and as we were headed to Indianapolis to meet with Mikhail Rose, another young man who was murdered by police, George Floyd was murdered. And to be in this part of this region of the country, the same region of the country where George Floyd is murdered, while we're fighting for Breonna Taylor's case, it was just like, hold on, wait. 
this is precisely what we're supposed to be doing at this moment. So I think the confirmation has just come so frequently. And then a couple of weeks later, we were in Atlanta and Rayshard Brooks was murdered the day we were there. So it was, I think for me, it's constantly, constant messages from spirit. That's like, you have to do this work. You have to be serious. And you know, the time is now. No, that's so just like, bro, I got goosebumps from hearing this. Cause you know, the importance of one, understanding what's being told to you. Cause you know, it is a spirit. It's something that keeps on thriving you and saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And you continue to answer that voice that, that, and so much more is coming from it. And you know, from you guys, from going into your deep level of, of root of work, you guys transition into founding with two other wonderful women until freedom. And until freedom, as we all know, is an intersectional social justice organization rooted in the leadership of diverse people of color to address systemic and racial injustice. And because you guys were able to do the forefront of that, so many other people are, are able to have a voice past parish. And so I want to know what does until freedom mean to both of you brothers? And, you know, I don't want to ask what the goal is because that's that's point blank period. We know what the goal is. But, you know, I really want to know what it means to you guys. Well, until freedom to us is a culmination of our life's work, a combination of our passion, a combination of our skill, a combination of our hearts, a combination of everything that we all represent. You know, when, when we chose to unite, you know, we have been friends. We have worked with the Justice League who, where we met underneath Carmen Perez and Gathering for Justice, you know, on Harry Belafonte's organization, and we had met. And we just realized that our, all of our missions, the four of our missions were so aligned that we wanted to create something. Like we, we the Justice League will always be a part of the Justice League. We'll always be a part of Gathering for Justice. That's our family. But we wanted to create something that really spoke to what it is that we were really, our passion was, and, you know, and it was just black people. It was black people and the, the plight of black people and marginalized people and all over this world in equity. And we wanted to be able to speak freely. You're not, not tied to anything else, not tied to any other ideology, not tied to any other corporation, not tied to anybody else's personal views that they build. We wanted to build our organization that was built in that spirit and that we knew that we can speak to and we can speak loudly about and it wasn't nobody gonna be able to call our office and tell our boss you know there's nobody to call on us you know what i'm saying so we want we, that's what that was thing you you wasn't we wanted to be aligned because a lot of times when you align with different organizations their rules set and, and there's nothing wrong with that and you have to separate and sometimes those rules don't abide by the natural core of what it is that you want to fight for you know, sometimes and you don't want to you don't want to stain other organizations. You don't want to have other people's legacies damaged by what it is that you believe in or affected by, especially if they're not aligned completely. And, you know, and I feel like our the four of us, our missions and our goals are aligned completely, you know, and that's why we formed Until Freedom. We wanted it to be culturally relevant. We wanted to involve the hip hop artists. We wanted to involve anybody from Cardi B to Common. You know, we didn't want somebody to say that they didn't fit the mold of what this organization represents, or they weren't, they didn't fit a, a certain criteria. We understand that we speak for the least, and we needed them to be present at the table. We needed them to feel represented, and we felt like we represented that. So that's what it was for us when we sat down and we said we want to build until we wanted to build something that was going to last 
something that was going to be so relevant to this time that anybody felt like they can be a part of. We didn't want it to feel like it was elitist, that you had to know big words to say this, or you had to be as smart as Angelo, or, you know, it's you just had to be, want to freedom. You had to want equity. You had to want what was right, you know? And, and that's what Until Freedom was for me and for us, I believe. Yeah, I think, you know, we were doing something revolutionary for ourselves. You know, I think when you try to start an organization and enter that kind of uncharted territory and all the hurdles that come along with it, you're really putting yourself through the fire in a way. And I think we also wanted to do something revolutionary with regards to organizing and movement work. We wanted to build an organization that was different, an organization that hasn't been built before. And we were thinking about all the organizations that came before us, the legacy organizations that do tremendous work and have phenomenal history. And we said, we want to be that for 2020. We want to be that for the future. We want to build the kind of organization that communities want to see, organizations that are in touch with what's happening in communities, in touch with the culture, and also able to create change in the communities that need them. And, I, and you know, it's interesting, I was thinking about it as we were talking, created Until Freedom a year ago. And it was the 400th anniversary of the first slave ship that came to America. And one of the things I often thought about during the course of the work and last year was that really what we need to be thinking about is what the next 400 years looks like. And I think that's the work of Until Freedom. It's like, we know what we've experienced for the past 400 years. We know what other oppressed communities are experiencing today because of oppressive system. But now we're building what the next 400 years of liberation, freedom, and justice looks like. And Until Freedom, for me, embodies that in a way that no other organization does. And I commend the work of all the others. And I think we work with other organizations. But for me, Until Freedom is going to set that kind of movement precedent that other folks, I believe, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, 200 years from now, will say they began to change the tide. And we're here because of them. Yes, absolutely. I give you guys all the credit for recognizing what right looks like and applying pressure to what right looks like. Personally, myself, I wanted to get into politics, but, you know, my father passed away at a young age. I grew up in poverty, so the street life was very enticing. I, I loved it, but I still got straight A's in school, did sports, and eventually that stuff caught up to me. I have an article up there where I worked for the senator and I was really trying to be, you know, into politics. And I decided that I wanted other things and I rode with my friends, my family, and we got arrested. We got charged with robbery in the second degree. My, I was 17 years old, my brother was 18, my other brother was 19. And I wrote a letter to the judge so that they got a less charge and I took all the brunt because I was still a minor. And you know, that moment sticks with me, but I recognize at that exact moment, I won't be able to do politics. And I was already in entertainment as a child. I tried to do movies and I was supposed to be in Little Rats. I'll go on and on. But, you know, the point is, is that I had a recognition of, I knew that there was social injustice. Not everybody was treated the same. Equity of life did not mean the same thing to me, to the next person and the next person. And from LA, they're the jump out boys, LAPD, to Bakersfield Police Department. They like to shoot you and then ask you questions later. And, you know, they've done a whole bunch of reports where this is one of the leadingest uh, police murder places in the world because they it's, it's, it's sad. But, you know, once I had the opportunity to not only get your guys' attention, I was like, I have to have these guys on the show. Not only for one, that what you guys are doing is, is really empowering the voice of everyone, but also 
for the people that don't have a voice and for someone that's afraid to talk about their history and what they've been through. You guys live resilient through your history. And I just, I gotta give all my flowers to you brothers and really appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna divulge into one more segment, but I just wanna make sure I let you guys know about myself a little bit and how much I appreciate you brothers and you know, my moving forward. I appreciate you, man, thank you. Yeah, most definitely, we really appreciate it. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Man, I, I uh, man, you guys are in Kentucky all month of August. You know, I love Good Trouble Tuesday event. What are some of the more events that Until Freedom is going to do while they're in Kentucky and moving forward and executing their missions? Oh, well, we have we have an event on Saturday. Like I said, we'll be giving out produce to the community along with the Urban League at the Urban, I think it's going to be at the Urban League Center. Mm-hmm. The Urban League Center will be giving out produce to the communities. Then also, I think Sunday, the, the NBA players will be here and they'll be doing uh, they'll probably be having a game or still be doing engaging the community trying in some to get, kind of trying way. We're trying to with figure the kids. out the best we'll way do to do something. We'll have the NBA players here. You know, throughout the month, we'll be doing giving out things to the community because we don't want to just come and do community activities. We want to do community service as well. So, you know, there'll be so many things. Ultimately, on August 25th, we'll be doing an action in, in honor of Breonna Taylor. So that's that'll probably be our ultimate, but there'll be a lot of different actions that we do throughout the month and maybe beyond. But you know, we just have to we'll be able to play it by ear, but there'll definitely be a lot of different things that will keep you up. And you know, if you pay attention to untilfreedom.com and you go to the website, you'll be able to see all the activities and things that we're doing daily. Yeah, and every week we'll be doing Good Trouble Tuesday. Yes, every so week. every Tuesday we'll be doing something in the community that folks in Louisville can be a part of and folks outside of can be a part of. Every Thursday we're doing Break Bread Thursday. So we'll be meeting with the community and really just having conversations, strategizing and building community and, and learning about each other. And like Mike said, we'll also be giving out school supplies. We're going to be giving out food. We're going to be doing a lot of community service. Yesterday we were in the West Side just knocking on doors and letting folks know that we're here and that we're fighting for justice for Brianna and that they should also just, you know, come out and participate and get some of the love that we're here to give. So, you know, follow us on Until Freedom to see what unfolds day to day because things are always happening too. Like we went to a protest two days ago, we didn't have planned, we didn't plan on going to. So there's a ton of stuff happening. You never know who's gonna show up, but a lot, a lot of great stuff will be unfolding this month. Yeah, and we, and we just wanna reiterate that you know this this work has been being done before we got here that's right there are so many grassroots organizations on the ground you know and like we went to to one of those events in march that they did two days ago that someone else had organized one of the grassroots organizations and we came and we supported it you know we aligned our, our mission with theirs and there might be other marches or protests or whatever that other grassroots we have we would love to be a part and you know support all of the grassroots organizations in any way we can i love the unity there is no competition it's all unity it's love it's the common ground uh i definitely forgot to bring up this last segment it's called my awareness segment and forgive me uh but this is so important knowledge is power but when you use that knowledge it becomes your superpower so i asked all of my guests when was the last time they were pulled over and advice they can give in the situation of interacting with the police while they're getting pulled over. 
Mm. You know, I've been pulled over so many times. But you know, the last time I recall, and I stopped driving because I got into a number of accidents, but the last time I, I recall that the police actually stopped me, I was coming out of my friend's house and I was walking to the car and it was a detective, so it was an unmarked car and they just, I saw them too. Cause I saw them and I was like, oh, something's gonna happen. And I just kept walking. I basically ignored them. And they had like drove a little bit beyond me and jumped out and I was still walking casually to my car. And I was basically not paying them any attention as they even were coming close to me. And then they were like, hey, and I was like, hey, what's going on? You know, I, I, I was still I not playing into the situation. And they were like, you know, we, we got a report of someone who dressed like you, who, you know, did something. And I was like, you know, do you have reasonable suspicion to stop me? And the minute I said that, they just left. <laughs> they just turned around, got in the car. So for me, you know, and this is after being in law school with some time and understanding the law, for me, the thing that has always been useful is like first keeping calm. And I try to do that in almost any situation I'm in. And I'm like, you know, the second you you become elevated and that happens sometimes, you know things are gonna go in a different direction. Right. right. So if you don't want it to go in that direction, you kinda gotta remain calm and keep it on the playing field you wanna keep it on. And then the other thing is like, when you're aware of the law even a little bit, and you're able to say something that lets them know you're aware, that often can diffuse the situation. They'll realize that you're not just someone on the street that they can take advantage of. Um, and that's my big advice. Remain calm, ask them if they have reasonable suspicion um, to stop you. And they'll usually, in some instances, kind of backtrack and get out of the way. And it's crazy because it's a good segue for my book. I have a children's book <laughs> called I Know My Rights. And um, I wrote it a few months ago. I wrote it actually in February. It released it in February during, right before the, no, in March actually, right during the pandemic. And it's about just knowing, it's about the, the 10 amendments of the constitution and knowing your rights and it's for children. And when you, like he said, when you when when you tell ask them, do you have reasonable suspicion to stop me? They are aware that you understand your rights. That's right. You know, they they hear when they hear you use that terminology, they know that he knows what's going on. If I don't, then he knows that I'm liable, that I've done something against the law. So this book is a, is from ages probably like six until beyond. It's a family reading book. It's it's mainly for children, but I've gotten response from adults that they've learned so much from the book it's easy to read it's easy to teach the pictures are beautiful you know so it's this is what we need now we have to empower because i remember when i was a kid and i was like 10 and 11 in the bronx and they used to come and just search us or throw us in the back of the car drive us around the block take whatever we had in our pockets and you know drop us off on other blocks we didn't know we had rights you know our rights have been violated so long we didn't even know we had them so when people start saying, you got rights, so they can't do that, we're like, what? They've been doing that forever. We just normalized it. Yeah. So, you know, that this book is to prevent those things from happening. It's, it's empowering our kids at a very young age. Unfortunately, in marginalized communities, in, you know, communities, poor communities, we have interactions with police way, way too often, you know, at a young age. So this is a reality we have to deal with. So this book is really important you know, for our kids and to make sure that they at least allow or make it aware that they are aware 
of their rights. And I think for me, you know, I, I get pulled over all the time, especially driving. It's like a normal thing. And, and they don't even really, they, and, and most of the time they're looking for confrontation. You know, they're looking for you to be confrontational. So for the most part, just don't be confrontational. It doesn't, it, it doesn't add anything to it. If you're already aware that the, the likelihood of them doing something to harm you is very likely, and if you meet them with an energy when you're not prepared to do anything else but take the beating, it doesn't make sense. You know, so the bottom line is don't be confrontational. Be stern, be aware. Make sure that you, you, you state that you know your rights. You ask proper questions. But you don't have to be confrontational. Yes, I agree. I love how from the streets to the courtroom, we have all these different digests of, you know, how to handle the situation. And the bottom line is to get through it as quickly as you can, be calm. If you recognize something's going wrong, I know you guys didn't touch on this, but an OG told me this a long time ago. If it's going wrong, say, take me to jail. That's right. <laughs> take me to jail or say, are you going to arrest me? Am I being arrested? You know, am I being arrested? You know? And push it to that level because once it's pushed to that level, that whole game of I'm gonna beat you up, I'm gonna make you feel fearful and everything else, that game's out the window because it's like you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. Let's get your supervisor down here while we're at it. Yeah. That's right. And from there you can elevate and you know, either see your day in court and go through the system and you know you can go from there or you're gonna be released right away because they don't wanna deal with the paperwork. That's a fact. So my brothers, uh I do have this thing on here talking about police gun violence. And, you know, I feel like we did touch on that because it's so important to one, keep your demeanor, keep, keep everything calm, cool, collective, have your awareness of how to get out the situation. And then we'll be able to sub subdue some of that violence. We can't do it all because people with guns are retarded and they, they understand if they pull the trigger, violence happens and some people enjoy that. And it's a unsadly feeling that we have that we have to face. But it's something that we have to just keep on pushing and striving over. We're not surviving it. We need to strive through it. That's right. Appreciate you, brother. Man, my brothers, I appreciate you guys so much coming on here. If you notice my show, it's a little different. It's unique. I try to do things like the other guys, but I don't do nothing like the other guys. And, you know, how do I close out the show? And my viewers know this coming. I'm going to ask you guys, you got any questions for me? No. How long have you been doing this? December 2019. Okay, let's go. It's, I like the platform. It's good energy. You got Bob Molly in the background, Tupac. You're all right. You, you're on point. Oh, yeah. No, I've been graced around a few a few blessings and, and more, and way more. But sometimes you just can't talk about all that. I hear you. My brothers, it's Contrast Uncut. It's season three, episode five. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. I wouldn't be able to do incredibly dope stuff like have my son and Angelo on the show talking about uh, until freedom and so much more and really breaking down those barriers and walls of systemic racism and, and just really the bullshit of society that we have to continue to face because people don't want to grow up. That's a fact. Well, thank you for having us, man. Hope interview. Look forward to it again, man. Keep doing the work, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Uh, My name is Mike Son Lennon, and I'm Angelo Pencho. And you tuned in to Contrast Uncut. Hey.
for pain. Mama said knock you out. Double L, cool J. Time still ticking though. Big clock, flavor flavor. That's a public enemy. They see me coming up. I be verse, I'm going flip most squad, bust a bus. Feel like pocket, keep your head up. Biggie shooting juicy. Coach is still alive. Just let me hey everybody, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in, checking out the show. If you like anything about it, do me a favor, hit the like button down below. Hit the subscribe button. And if you're really feeling antsy, hit notifications and leave some comments. I'll enjoy it. I know Kev will enjoy it. He might even say something about it, but you won't ever hear from him because sometimes he just holds his opinion to himself. I wish he put a board up for me that says something I could say right now. But instead, I got something to say to you. It'll be up in post. Yeah, see? See, he helps out even though he's not helping out right now. <laughs> So make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut. There'll be hella episodes before this and there'll be hella episodes after this. Make sure you tune in. Thank you.